Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, Parables. Jesus oftentimes used these short stories to teach people. Sometimes the parable opened people's eyes to the profound truth of God. Other times the parable was symbolic and challenged people to go deeper in their faith. But with every parable, Jesus wanted people to live out the reality of what they learned. This summer, we'll be studying some of the parables that Jesus used so we can discover and live out their truths in our lives. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website, www.valleybrook.cc, select Contact Us, and send us an email. So we're in the middle of this series on the parables of Jesus, and today we're going to be looking at the parable of the sower. We believe that that Jesus has important words that he wants us to hear and ingest and turn into our lives to live like he tells us to live. And so that's why we think the parables are so important. So if you would, would you bow your heads for a prayer? Father, as we come here today, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the promise of eternal life that comes through him. We thank you for the spirit that you send to live inside of us, to indwell us, to give us power for living, and to help us serve you. So, Lord, now I pray that as we look at your word, as we listen to it, as we hear it, that you will give us ears to hear, that you will give us eyes to see, and that you will allow us to live what your word teaches in Jesus' name, amen. Recently, I was reading an excerpt from Pastor Mark Batterson's book, uh, Chase the Lion, and he tells the story of a missionary, J.W. Tucker, who was killed by the people he went to serve and to share Christ with. And, and you know, as I was reading that story, I couldn't help but reflect. And, and you know, truthfully, it happens whenever I hear about followers of Jesus who become martyrs for Christ. Because when I hear that, sometimes I wonder, what would I do if I was faced with the decision to renounce my faith in Jesus or to die? You know, my immediate response to that question is that I would never renounce Christ. But then when I reflect on it, And I realize that that decision is very easy for me to make right now because my life is not threatened. I'm not looking at the face of someone who's going to take my life. And it causes me to wonder and do some self-reflection. And think about that. What would you do? Today, as we study this parable of the sower, you're going to be asked to do some self-reflection reflection. You're going to be invited to do some introspection and to look inside your hearts and evaluate where you are with Jesus. Now, unlike the other parables that you read in the gospel of Mark, this parable doesn't describe the kingdom of God. This parable rather describes the conditions of the hearts of the people hearing Jesus teaching. And instead of asking, what does this thing signify or what does that thing mean in this parable? What you're going to be asked to ask yourself is, what does this mean for me? Where am I in the parable? So the first thing that I want us to look at is this. I want us to look at the soil 
for the seed. So uh, I'm going to be reading from Mark chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to it or you can look up on the screen. We'll put those verses up there. And this is Jesus speaking to the people. And he says, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, but because the soil was shallow, uh, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. And then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. You know, in, in a culture where everyone was very familiar with agriculture, people would have heard this story, this parable, and they would have immediately had a picture in their mind of a farmer who goes out and tills the field. And then uh, as he tills the field, afterwards he goes out to plant the wheat seeds of this new crop. Now, in an era where virtually all farming was done by hand, people would have easily pictured that farmer after he had hand-tilled the field. Then he would go and he would have a bag, probably with a, a sling on it, so he could put it around his neck, and he would reach into that bag, and he would take the seed, and, and he would scatter it one handful after another. Now, Maybe you can't relate to that, but maybe you can, particularly if you've ever reseeded your yard. If you've ever reseeded, reseeded your yard with grass seed and, and you didn't have a broadcast fertilizer uh, spreader, uh, what you did is you reached into that bag of seed and you spread it by hand. And, and if you've done that, you know firsthand that it's a very inexact method of spreading seed because some of the seed goes where you want it to go. And some of the seed doesn't go where you want it to go. Some of the seed uh, falls and spreads out nice and it's going to come up in a nice even pattern and some of it clumps together or it gets too thin. And, and so you end up having a, a spotty yard because of the way that seed goes down. It's an imperfect method. So I tell you all of that because... When you think about this parable, when one plants seed by scattering them for an entire field, the seed will fall on all types of places. And Jesus identifies the good place where the seed will grow, and he also identifies the bad places where the seed will fall and not grow so well. So think this through. As the sower goes out to the field, uh, he walks along the path, the, the path uh, that goes by the field that, that literally people walk across every day. And it's hard packed. But as he begins to scatter the seed in, inadvertently, not because he wants to, but because of the wind or whatever, some of the seed falls on the path. And when it falls on the path, you know it's hard packed. You know it's not tilled. It's not going to let the seed germinate. And because it's in uh, easy view, what's going to happen? the birds are going to come along and they're going to pick it up and they're going to eat it. As you go out into the field, you'll discover that there are different types of soil in the field. There'll be some places that, that are rocky, much like some of New England soil. And, and you'll discover that, uh, you know, seed that falls on a rock is not going to grow. But, but some seed will fall on soil. But what you don't know is that there are rocks very close to the surface underneath. And so 
uh, with a little bit of moisture and a little bit of sunshine, sunshine that seed's going to sprout up really quickly. But uh, because there's no depth to that soil, because of the rock underneath it, the moisture is going to dry up quickly, and and the the seed is going to that sprouted is going to wither and fade. Uh, some of that seeds going to, to fall in places that are prone to weeds. And, and if you've ever planted grass, particularly in the spring, which is not the time to plant it, what you discover is with that grass seed all come, also comes weeds. And, you know, weeds don't seem to need water. Uh, weeds don't seem to need fertilizing. And weeds grow up and they're bigger than the grass seed and they overshade it and they suck up the water and the nutrients. And the grass doesn't grow. The same thing for this farmer. The, the grain is not going to grow well amongst weeds. It's going to choke out the nutrients and the water that the seeds need. But some of that is going to fall on good soil, good, deep, rich soil. It doesn't have rocks. It doesn't have weeds. It's not beaten down. And the seed that's planted on that good soil is going to grow strong and healthy. Now, the thing about wheat, you know, when you plant wheat, and that's, assume, that's when I'm assuming the sower was, was planting. When, the thing about wheat is when you plant a, a kernel, that kernel is going to grow up into a, a stalk of wheat, and it's going to have a head. And on that head, there's literally going to be dozens and dozens of more kernels. Now, from my own study, what I've heard is that the multiplication from one wheat kernel that grows into a stalk is about seven and a half uh, times uh, the, for the whole field, the crop. But look at what Jesus says. He says that when this falls on good soil, it bears 30 or 60 or 100 times the amount that was planted. So just think that through. If, you, uh, if you're good at math, if you just say you, you plant 100 pounds of seed, what Jesus is saying, look, you could get up to 3,000 pounds in the harvest or 6,000 or even 10,000 pounds in, in that harvest of wheat. Now, if you made your living as a wheat farmer, the good soil is where you want that seed to fall. It's where you want it to go because that will allow you to harvest a bountiful crop. Now, why did Jesus tell this parable? Was Jesus trying to teach everybody to be farmers? No, that wasn't his purpose. Uh, later, when Jesus was alone with his disciples, this is what he told them about that parable. He said this, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Whoa, what's Jesus saying? You know, that he doesn't want people to turn and be forgiven one scholar writes this. He says, for every parable, there are two levels of understanding. There's a physical level and a spiritual level. Everyone who received this parable received it on the physical level. They, they understood what Jesus was talking about, about the farmer who plants the seed. But they didn't all understand the spiritual level. Jesus saved that spiritual level, that interpretation to give to his disciples, to his followers. And he had it included in the gospel of Mark and the other Gospels so that we as his followers would also understand it because he had chosen them to hear it. So 
we've been given a sacred responsibility to be able to share this truth with other people. It's important that we share it as we learn it. So let's see the truth of this interpretation. Let's look at the story of the soils and the seeds. So we'll go on to Jesus' explanation. A little further on in verse 14, Jesus says, the farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the words, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like the seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and they produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So now we're getting to a time where I want us to begin to do some personal introspection on this verse. We've received Jesus' parable at the physical level. He told the story about the farmer who sowed the wheat. Now we're going to look at the spiritual level as Jesus explains what he meant. And Jesus tells us clearly that the seed that's sown is the word of God. And then he shows us how different people receive the word of God. So Let's look at the first soil. The first soil that Jesus talks about is the hard packed path. It's hard beaten down. And this is what he says. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Dr. Rodney Cooper writes this. He said, the word of God never makes an impact on some people. It rests on the hardened soil of their hearts until Satan comes along and snatches it away. These are people who will never even think to question their lack of response to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when the word of God, of the good news of Jesus, falls on the hardened hearts of, of people that's hardened by Satan, the truth doesn't take root in their lives. They, they don't take it in. It just sort of it sort of washes off of them. They, they don't understand that, that Jesus came to save their lives for eternity. They don't understand that they are sinners in need of a Savior. They hear the word of God and they say, well, that's not me. I don't have to do anything with it. And then they miss. They miss all that God wants to give us in Jesus. So that's the hard beaten path. The next soil is the rocky soil. Remember what Jesus said. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. These are the people who hear God's word and they gladly accept it. And their faith seems to sprout out and grow overnight. They're thrilled. They're happy. They're excited. Until 
they find it can be challenging to follow Jesus. And they find it's challenging to follow Jesus because of one reason or another. They discover that following Jesus says that he wants us to walk in his light instead of walking in the darkness of this world. He wants us to walk in the righteousness of the light of Jesus than walking in the darkness of sin in this life. And they see that and they don't like the fact that Jesus is curtailing their fun. It's a defining moment for them because they have to decide, will I walk in the light or will I walk in the darkness? Will they choose to follow Jesus and walk in new life or will they stay in the old sinful pattern of life and lifestyles? In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus tells us how his disciples must count the cost and be willing to give up everything to follow him. So what Jesus is revealing here in this parable is not anything new. He tells us that we're supposed to count our cost of following Jesus. Jesus knew the shallow commitment of people from experience. When Jesus was teaching in the Gospel of John, chapter 6, he's teaching about being the bread of life. And, and as some of the people heard him teaching about being the bread of life, and, and it's foreshadowing what he teaches at the Last Supper about eating the bread and, and drinking the juice or drinking the blood of Christ. And people think, wow, this is, this is really a hard saying. Is, is he, what's he talking about here? They don't, they don't comprehend it. They're, they're not trusting Jesus. And, and they hear this. And it says in Scripture that it was a hard teaching. And it actually says that Jesus realized that some of them didn't believe, that they were just fans of Jesus and not followers of Jesus. If you want to read a good book this summer, uh, buy Kyle Eidelman's book, Not a Fan. The whole premise of the book is he says, I'm not a fan of Jesus. I'm a follower. So, so these people weren't, Followers of Jesus, they were fans. And it says literally that some of the disciples saw this was too hard and they left Jesus. Right there in John chapter 6. Jesus knew that people with shallow commitment would fade away. He also knew that people with shallow commitment would push back when there was persecution for following Jesus. In fact, he told his disciples, he said, the reason they hate you is because they hated me first. Jesus said this to his disciples. He, he said this, he said, um, you are blessed if you are persecuted, if you are hated, if you are excluded, if you are insulted, if you are rejected, if you are spoken falsely about for my sake. Jesus wanted his followers to know that persecution would not possibly happen, but that it would happen. And when it did, he told them what to do. And it was a hard lesson, but it's one all Christ followers need to embrace. He said, listen, you need to love your enemies and you need to pray for those who persecute you. We all need to recognize 
that as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to love our enemies, not attack them, not push back, not speak ill of them. We need to pray for those who persecute us. So persecution and hard teachings revealed the shallow roots of the rocky soil and and of these people's faith, and they pulled away from Jesus. The next soil was the thorny soil. Remember what Jesus said, still others like seeds sown among thorns hear the word, but the worries of the life, the deceitfulness of the wealth and desires of other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. This spring, my neighbor and I cleared some land between us and, and he, he spread seed and uh, to grow seed. But you know what came up were tons of weeds. Some of the grass came up, but also thorns came up. And it's just overtaking him. It's going to have to be redone in the fall so that the grass will grow and and the, the weeds and the thorns won't. Seed sown among weeds at first grew. And it looked healthy, but the worldly things choked the life out of that seed that had grown up. Jesus said that there are two things that choke the life out of us when we are in thorny, thorny, weedy soil. First, he says, worries. Worries represent on our behalf a lack of faith, a lack of faith, a lack of belief in God, the one who said to us, don't worry. In the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus tells us not to worry about anything that we need. Why? Because our Father in heaven will take care of us. It's the same message that the disciples and the Apostle Paul would take up and they would tell the people, they would tell them not to worry, to to cast their cares on God. The Apostle Paul said, don't be anxious about anything. Instead, take it all to God in prayer. So it's the worries of the world that can choke out the fruitfulness of his followers. But Jesus also said it was the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things that come in and choke out the word of God in people's lives. Let's face it, wealth gives people a sense of self-sufficiency and makes them think they have little need for God. The God who we're asked to pray and ask for our daily bread and live in the knowledge that he gives us new mercies every day. So think this through. You know, wealthy people don't need to live hour by hour because they believe their needs are taken care of. Likewise, their desire for the things of this world crowd out the desire for the things of God. In the same Sermon of the Mount that I Sermon on the Mount that I mentioned earlier, Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You'll either love one and hate the other or hate one and love the other. He said, you can't serve mammon, wealth, and God. Jesus and his disciples had seen the mastery that wealth had over people. One day he was teaching and a man came up to him and said, asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I've been a faithful follower. I've kept all the commands since I was a boy. And Jesus, it says in scripture, 
turned and looked at him and loved him. He had compassion for him. But he also understood what was going on in this person's life. And so he said to him, he said, one thing you lack. Go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And the scripture says this. At this, the man's face fell. And he went away sad because he had great wealth. After the man left, Jesus turned to his disciples and this is what he said. How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And at this, the disciples said, well, who can be saved? Jesus said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. So so what Jesus was getting at is that wealth gets in the way. It becomes an idol, another God in our lives. Now, by the way, Jesus wasn't telling this man that he would be saved by following the commandments, by the good works of that. But he was saying that if you believe in me and you follow me, that you will follow the commandments about what I talk about all things, including how you handle your wealth. The last soil is the good soil. Jesus says this, Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So these people, they hear God's word. They act upon what they hear. They bring it into their lives. They start to follow what God teaches in his word, and they produce fruit by increasing numbers. They are productive in sharing with others the love of Jesus Christ and being faithful and obedient to him by living what the word of God says. So what do we do with a parable like this? We ask ourselves, where am I in the story? Which of the soils represent me and my relationship with God? Where am I? So let me ask you, are you the hard beaten path? Do you come to church or maybe other Christian events? You hear the word of God, you hear it spoken, you hear it explained, but it just sort of bounces off you. You you don't take it in even though you hear the sound with your ears. Has Satan hardened your heart to the truth that we're all sinners, that we all need to be saved, and that Jesus came to save us all, that he defeated the power of sin and death to help us become his followers? If, if your heart is hardened, if you, if you recognize that in what I'm saying, pray. Pray that God would soften your heart, that God would let the Holy Spirit do the work of the Spirit in your life so that you would come to faith in Jesus. Or maybe you're like the rocky soil and you you get excited when you hear God's word and and you want to follow it, but, but then it gets hard because it conflicts 
with your lifestyle and your personal choices, or you get disillusioned when somebody criticizes you for having faith in Jesus. You know, you walk out of here on a spiritual mountaintop, and before you get home, you sort of lost your steam. You know, the reality is this. You know, as a follower of Jesus Christ, he's going to call you to faithfulness. Do not let the uh, idea that you want to live according to the world bring your faith to a screeching halt. Think about it this way. When you talk about it objectively, you can see the shallowness of the way of life that people have when they say, you know, I, I, I want to follow Jesus, but I don't want to do things that Jesus tells me. I don't want to stop doing the things that Jesus tells me to stop doing. You know, the reality is that sin is enticing and it can be fun, but it will not provide a lifetime of fulfillment. It, it, it's like eating sweets. It's like eating candy and cakes for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, at, at some point, it will no longer be satisfying. It will no longer be filling. It will no longer fulfill you. And in fact, it will make you unhealthy. Ask God to give you the courage to walk away from sin and walk away from people who applaud you for living a life of sin and who criticize you for being a follower of Jesus. So maybe you're like that seed uh, sown among the thorns. The thorns that are the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth. You know, if we're honest with ourselves, I would suspect many of us would find ourselves here. Why? Because while we don't feel like we have enough wealth, most of us have more than 99% of the rest of the entire population of the world. Don't believe me? Do your own research. But if you have a car, you're wealthier than 99% of the rest of the world. If you add another car, if you add a house, if you add a bank account or another bank account, you're in the overwhelming majority of the wealthiest people in this world. It's not about whether you feel you have enough. It's not about whether you feel you have enough to take care of you. It's not about putting trust in your retirement account or putting trust in the income you make from your job or from your side hustle or whatever it is. It's about putting trust in God. The reality is Jesus talks about putting our trust in wealth in terms of idolatry and in terms of spiritual adultery. He says, when you put your trust in wealth, you're making an idol of something. You're turning your back on me. You're not demonstrating that you are worshiping me and only me. So what can you do? Confess to God that you've trusted wealth over him and ask him to break your heart for the things that break his heart and do what his word and the Holy Spirit tell you in this realm. Maybe you're the good soil. My hunch is if you're the good soil, you probably don't think you're the good soil. That's because humility keeps you fruitful and faithful. 
Remember this, when we're fruitful and faithful, God will take what we give him and he'll produce a bountiful crop from it. Dr. Rodney Cooper writes this, the harvest is typically symbolic of divine activity. And here we have the key to this parable. The parable encourages Christians who have not fallen away, those who remain at Christ's side then as well as now. While we get discouraged that our evangelistic efforts and our faith efforts are not producing the fruit we would like, we can be encouraged that God is working in the harvest. So the reality is this. When you come to the parable of the sower, you have to ask yourself, am I the hard-packed soil? Is, is God's word not impacting me? You, you know it. I mean, because you come in, you come out of here, and, and nothing changes. You don't apply anything you hear. Or, or are you the rocky soil? You get all excited about Jesus, and by the time you're at home, you say, well, I don't want to give up my sinful lifestyle. It's fun. Or, you know, people are going to make fun of me for being a Christian, so I'm just going to try to be incognito. Well, the reality is you can't live a double life, and your faith's going to wane. Or are you like the, the soil that grows up with thorny weeds around it, and it saps the energy and the ability to grow strong. Because why? Because you're focused on wealth and, and taking care of yourself based on your own good works and investments. Or are you the good soil? Jesus desires for all of us to be faithful followers of Jesus, to be good soil that produces 30, 60, 100-fold what he's put in us. He desires for us to be able to share with other people about who Jesus is to us and invite them to a place where they can come to faith in Jesus, either through the help of other Christians and leaders in, the, in a church or through one-on-one -on -one with you. He desires for us to recognize that the Holy Spirit's come in us not to make us just happy and honky-dory, but to actually empower us to do things for God in his kingdom, to, to live a life that makes a difference for God and that will live on in eternity. He calls us to do that. So where are you? We're going to go into a time of prayer. And in that prayer time, I want you to talk to God because you know already where you are. Ask him for forgiveness if you're not doing what he calls you to do. Ask him for strength. Ask him for the power of the Holy Spirit to empower you to be a faithful follower of Jesus. And ask him for the courage to not rest on wealth or not fear what people will say about you and your faith or not be tempted by the attraction of sin but to be fruitful for him. So let's pray. Father, in this silence, we give to you our thoughts and our meditations. Hear our prayers, Lord. Confess it all to him.
And in this prayer, pledge your devotion to him to be the good soil. Father, we thank you that we could take this time to evaluate ourselves. Lord, we've looked at ourselves. We've been honest. We've told you where we are, and we've told you where we want to be. So I pray the power of Jesus over everyone here. I pray uh, the power of the Holy Spirit to work in us, and I pray the blood of Jesus to protect us all from Satan and from sin and from idolatry to wealth or concerns of what others say. And I pray that we would walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and produce the fruit that you desire for us to to produce 30 times, 60 times, 100 times more. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we conclude the service, I just want to share a few things. Growth Track Step 3 will start at 1230. You're invited to come if you haven't been to that. If you sense a need to pray because God has brought something to mind, or if you've never given your life to Jesus and you'd like to meet with somebody on our prayer team, they would love to meet with you this morning. They'll be up here in a few moments after the service concludes. And after I give the final blessing, I encourage you to go out in the cafe, have some refreshments, talk to one another, talk about what God spoke to you during this message, and continue to meditate and pray the prayer that you prayed just a few moments ago. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you all. Go in peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.